Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jacqueline Wales. Hey there, Jacqueline. Hi there. Nice to be here with you, Ben. Thank you. Yes, thanks for uh, for joining. You're welcome. Do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background on you, maybe a little bit of a shameless brag before we get into some of the uh, harder times? Sure. Um, I'm the author of uh, three books. One was a semi-autobiographical novel, and it's called When the Crow Sings. And I'm also the author of two books in the Fearless Factor series. The first one is just called The Fearless Factor, and the second one was The Fearless Factor at Work. And um, both books are dedicated to helping people understand how to deal with fear and how they, uh, they find you know, the way to more confidence and learn how to deal with failure, frankly, because that's the greatest fear of all for a lot of people is the, the fear of failure. So I'm glad we're gonna talk about that today. It's a big, big piece. Uh, I'm frequently asked how I came to this stuff. And mostly I like to say it's because of life. Um, I, I lived a, a very adventurous life in many ways, taking lots of risks, uh, failed lots, lots of times and still managed to get up and get on with it. And, you know, there's, there's quite a history to this. Uh, and if you really want me to go into that history, I'll be happy to do so. But I started my coaching practice about 15 years ago. And when I started it, I knew nothing about nothing because I'd never had a professional career. And uh, I decided that this was something that I cared about and was encouraged to do. And so, as I said, I started out with nothing except some coaching training, and then I had to go figure out myself what worked and what didn't work. And yeah, there was a lot of failures along the way. Uh, spent too much money on stuff I didn't need, uh, mm. took some wrong turns, but then that was part of my life too. I've taken a lot of wrong turns, but I've also taken a lot of right ones too. So, you know, here I am today um, with the fearless factor at work. That's pretty much it. Well, I got to say, this is incredible because you you're talking like you used to be me now, which is, I don't have any of the success yet, but I am in certainly in the failure mode. I thought when I started this failure guy thing that um, it was hopefully in the past, all my failures were still behind me, but now this past week has been crazy. So, and I heard, I think on another podcast, you had like $800 and a backpack is what you said, right? Somewhere yes. Else? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've, I have a Prius jam packed with everything I own almost. Uh, I could probably use some of the wisdom you've learned from that, that journey for sure. Cause I spend too much. Like you say, I, I agree. I know nothing about nothing. So that's good. I'm at a good spot there. Yeah. I do want to learn. So you said if you, there's a deep history and uh, you wouldn't mind going into it. I'm happy to hear anything you'd like to share. Cause I'm i uh, I'm all ears. Well, you know, I've, I've lived almost seven decades at this point. Wow. And... Don't look like it. Well, thank that's a you good, very much. hopefully that's a good thing. And it seems like, especially I, if you're living an adventurous life. I've lived impressive. an adventurous life. So let's look at it this way. I was born in Scotland and I left home when I was 16 and I moved to London. And this was my first adventure where I arrived with no money, nowhere to live, no job, and uh, slept on somebody's floor for the first week until I finally figured out how to get myself organized. 
So that was the start and um, lived in London for several years, married, child, well, children. I was uh, started out in Notting Hill Gate and then I moved to a place called Putney, which nice. is on the other side of the Thames River. I, I've only been there once you know or twice. I stayed in Trafalgar Square, I think it was called. I had a friend. Yeah, who, that's the center of London. That, that's that's, that's, that's like it. The, that's, that's the heart. Good. That's right so next I was in the heart. Yeah, my friend okay. had a place there. So I stayed with him and went all around. But I, that was for like a backpacking trip all of Europe. So it was like only three days there. That was like a 21 day thing. So uh, it was kind of a blur, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's great. So I went from Scotland to London and then I went from London to San Francisco and I showed up again, the same story, backpack, no money and, uh, you know, 800 bucks. Didn't know anybody, didn't have a job, wasn't supposed to work because it was illegal at the time. And uh, I was on a tourist visa and I had okay. no idea what I was going to do. So um, that was that. And then, of course, you know, history plays itself out and I ended up marrying somebody. And uh, here I am. So I then went to Los Angeles. So I've gone from Edinburgh, London, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, many years, had more kids, raised a family. And uh, it was in my 40s when I really discovered that I liked to write, was good at writing. I liked to make music. I was good at singing. And I took up martial arts in my 40s and wow. discovered that I was coming home to something that I had probably always wanted to do. Um, and so uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, like duck to water when I took up martial arts. I eventually became a black belt in, in Shotokan Karate and I have a red belt in Taekwondo. So I had both of those going on for several years. Uh, how'd you get interested in the uh, self-defense martial arts and all that? Uh, mostly I, I put my kids into it first and foremost, and they were doing the classes and I thought, you know, I've always wanted to try this and I did. And it was like, hell yay, this is exactly what I should be doing. So I've always been physically active one way or another, but, uh, this was really something. So it, it felt good. And yeah, you, you learn a lot about yourself when you do something like martial arts. So that was, you know, that was a big piece of it. So I went from Los Angeles to Paris. I spent five years in Paris. And then after Paris, um, I spent another four years in Amsterdam. And then I went to New York and I spent eight years in New York and then finally back to California outside of San Francisco again. So it's been quite a journey. And in between, there's been an awful lot of adventures uh, one way or another that have forced me to confront my own insecurities, forced me to confront my own fears and uh, really get to grips with, you know, how I want to show up in the world. And I think for a lot of people who are dealing with failure, they think it defines them. And I like to say that failure does not define you. It's simply a piece of the journey that you're taking. Very mm -hmm. simple. Yeah. I love the that outlook. Also, the crazy amount of places you've lived. That's really impressive. Um, yeah. So I love that you wrote so many books. Was the first one When the Crow Sings? Is that what it was called? I missed the name. I missed the end of the name. When the Crow Sings. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, what's that? And you said semi-autobiographical? Yeah, it's based on three generations of women in my family giving birth to children outside of marriage and how it impacts each generation until one woman gives a child up for adoption. 
I tell the story of my grandmother, my mother, myself, and uh, it basically it's a historical novel because it starts in 1914 and it, it climaxes in 1997. So oh. it, it covers uh, many, many generations of women in my family. And it's a very personal book in many ways. Very cool. Could you tell us a story about one of your, uh, um, you know, you said all the way back to 1914, you want to tell a story, bring us back in time to maybe an earlier uh, period? The, the novel starts in 1914, and it's set in a small town outside of Edinburgh called Musselburgh. And uh, the, the woman who's the one of the characters at the beginning of the story works in a rope factory. And the rope factory is where she is basically making rope. And it's, it's a very arduous job that she's doing. And um, uh, she's living with her daughter who uh, is, you know, her, her husband's dead. So it's just her and her daughter. And her daughter gets raped by a Frenchman and uh, eventually has a child. And so that's the first child in the story and the story of the women and how they take care of their children and, and the trials and tribulations that they go through. The book covers the First World War. At the beginning of the book, the First World War is just breaking out. And so uh, there is that piece to it of living through wars. And then later on in the book, they live through the Second World War. So there's a historical piece in too. Uh, and then we go into the 50s and 60s, which is, is a whole different thing altogether. That's cool. Out of, um, out of, at least from your life, from the decades you've lived, is, do you have a favorite? Favorite decade? Yeah. My 40s. My 40s were what like years? the what best. Years? Like the 80s or the 90s? Or 1996 until 2003. Or a long time ago now. Yeah. <laughs> what was so good about those years? I traveled a lot. I did a lot. I wrote, I sang, I, I, you know, did a whole bunch of creative activities in my 40s. I came in my own in my 40s. Yeah. And that was that was a big piece for me. What made you decide to actually finally write? Like what what got you past your own self to to write? Because I've tried to write a couple times and I don't know, sometimes it's just hard to to convince yourself it's one of the simplest things you just need to like a notebook and a pen uh at its essence well, you know write, writing is a is a is an, a skill it's an art and you know learning how to write well for me i went to school to learn how to write well uh, you know i took a program in ucla uh, back then and i learned the art of writing because it's not just putting words on paper it's knowing how to structure the words on the paper Mm -hmm. um, what I had discovered when I was young was that I really liked making up stories. And uh, it wasn't until I entered that I... Now, you might have been able to hear, but unfortunately, the audio started cutting out. I decided that we should hang up and recall in to Zoom. And classic failure guy mode, I did not hit record when we started back again. So... I did miss a good chunk of what Jacqueline says. Uh, unfortunately, we have to rejoin right where um, I had remembered to hit record. So apologies to Jacqueline and the listeners, but hopefully you can still get a lot of the goodness out of what she has to say.
I'm going to hit record now so we don't lose anything else, but we just probably missed a bunch of good stuff, uh, unfortunately. But now we're back. You've missed at least 15, 20 minutes of this. No, For sure. I mean, I, I'm not super happy about it, but now at least we're back. Uh, we lost some good stuff there. Uh, unfortunately, I did not hit record when I had resumed the Zoom. Um, so, Jacqueline, I guess out of the last 15 minutes, maybe give me your best of what you remember, just real quick. Um, we were talking about failure, and what I said was that failure is simply a matter of choices, decisions, and expectations that did not go the way that you had planned to. And that if we manage our, our expectations, and if we understand that the choices and decisions that didn't go the way that you wanted them to are accompanied by the word next, then you're able to see that as I'm not where I want to be yet. And those three little letters there is very important when you're thinking about, oh, well, I haven't got what I need yet. I haven't been where I wanted to go yet. So, you know, using that little word there changes everything because it just means that this is part of the journey. And what I like to say is that if you're not, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. There's no question about yes, it. You thank asked you. me a question about, you know, what, where, you know, what am I growing towards at this stage of the game? I'm always growing towards something. I'm always looking to improve something. And it's, you know, whatever it is that's important to me, I'm going to put the energy into it. And if you give up on the learning, if you give up on the growth, my feeling is, well, you might as well just, you know, open up that pine box, lie inside of it and ask somebody to nail it down and send you on yeah. your way. Simply because that's when we stop growing in this life form it's when we die yeah and up until that moment i want to feel like i'm giving every ounce of my being to what i'm passionate about which is helping people and i said years ago my mission statement was to change the world one person at a time because i truly believe if i can help one person be a better individual they'll go forth and help other people to be better individuals because you know so much more about yourself. My work is all about self-reflection, self-awareness, and, and understanding that fear is imagination-based and that we get caught up in, in their stories of, of whatever the uncertainties are that, that are affecting us. And so how do we get beyond that? Uh, and so watch the stories you tell yourself. And again, if you're in failure mode and you want to make a judgment about yourself as, as a failure, as a loser, whatever the case may be, um, be mindful of the story that you're telling yourself, because the story you're telling yourself will become your reality. And sure. I know for years I told myself I would never amount to much. It wasn't true. Yes. And to be clear, it's not a uh, it, it, failure is not the intent. Failure is a necessary step on the way to success. And that's why I'm trying to just. Uh, more take the sting out of the word than than be a loser or whatever. You're like I don't associate with those other words. You know, I don't view it as not. Yeah. No, and I, I get that. You know, but some people do, and and yes. that's you know, I mean, I was told for years I would never amount to anything, and I believed it. You know, so I had to get over that piece because then you, if you believe that, you'll keep failing. Yeah, you'll keep and trying to prove it. What's interesting is that you were saying about fear made me think, um, well, first of all, I just want to say I totally agree with the lifelong learning thing. I call it just, I call it continuous education, but just the strive to always, you know, improve things. When you're talking about fear, I realized when we were talking about expectations, it seems like fear is just the same thing. It's just expectations on the negative side. 
like expectations of, of things going wrong. And that's- I, I, You know, I disagree with you. I think that fear is an emotion first and foremost. And, you know, we think about it, it's a thought. It's an emotion that leads to a thought that leads to behavior. That's mm -hmm. it. I mean, that is really the sequence right there. So yeah. if we take the fear is imagination based, because mm -hmm. frequently it is, it's, it's a mind game. It's not to do with any physical reality, but because we're dealing with primitive brain, we go on a fight or flight or denial or excuses, whatever the case may be. Um, this is a piece for you. You've got to be able to look at that and go, okay, do I have empirical evidence that, that you know, these fears are real? And if you don't, then you're just making shit up and you might as well, you know, change the story because if you're looking forward to negativity, if you're looking to the future and going, oh, it's going to be terrible. I don't have any money. I don't have anywhere to live, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, if that's the reality you want to create, then have at it. But my approach is I don't have any real evidence that that's the case. So therefore, I'm going to look for ways in which I can change that thought pattern. Mm -hmm. I can change my approach and I can start to get a little bit more positive about possibilities because that's ultimately what it's all about. Yeah, I think it's a great way of looking at it. Okay, well, just the last question would be where um, can listeners find you these days? Where's the best place for them to go to see what you're working on? They can find me at my website at thefearlessfactoratwork.com. That's thefearlessfactoratwork.com. And uh, if you want to know more about who I am, what I do, there's a whole bunch of information on there. And uh, there's even some free resources right now. So you can go help yourself. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you um, coming on the podcast and uh, giving a little bit of your insight and uh, certainly sharing your story. I hope things keep going well for you and uh, that you strive to, you know, keep learning like always. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And you too. I, I appreciate the invitation to talk today and I wish you all the very best. As thank well. you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.